this Tennessee South Carolina game. First of all, I've already decided that for those of you listening this far in, maybe this just be the cold open. I'm absolutely making the Darude Sandstorm epic folk music cover. That's what it's called on YouTube. The intro to this episode. It's, <laughs> that's what you're getting at the very top. This is Chapel Bell Curve. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to be talking about the win from our beloved Georgia Bulldogs over the hated, well, I don't know if we would say hated, but over the Kentucky well, Wildcats. We hate them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we hate them. Over the Kentucky Wildcats in the Bluegrass State. If this is your first time joining us, we'll be doing our breakdown today from both a qualitative and a quantitative standpoint so in our qualitative section we'll be talking about our feelings our experiences on the game some stuff from the news world some quotes from various media availabilities and we'll also be talking about the storylines that we outlined coming into this game if you would like to support this podcast remember that you can do so on patreon.com as little as one dollar a month will get you access to our Discord, which is a great group of people that we think that you'll love to meet. And no, it'll also let you listen to these podcasts early as we record them live. Spend a little bit more, you will get your own private podcast feed where you will get each podcast episode one to two days earlier than the rest of the the public. So we have another important podcast business item. So Justin, please take us away. Podcast business. Podcast, podcast business. business. Podcast business, beep, 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 or what do you do? Like, what are the sounds of like ticker Wall tape. Street? Like the ticker tape, ticker tape, yeah. The thing you don't know is that our show notes are all done in ticker tape, and I have to edit all that out meticulously when we go into post production. <laughs> it's just me and Nathan sending back little ticker tapes. Anyway, we have a live show coming up. We are indeed, you know, Nathan and I counted our chickens, our sweet chickens, before they were hatched this year, and we decided to go ahead and schedule the pre-SEC championship show to be a live show, again, at Authentic Brewery here in Athens, Georgia. It is going to take place, and I'm so glad it's going to take place, uh, because we didn't knock on any wood beforehand. So, live show reminder, it's going to happen on Sunday, November 27th at 3 p.m. at Authentic Brewery. And it's a fantastic place. Anybody is welcome. You do not have to be 21 and up. They have snacks. They have drinks. They have all sorts of things. And occasionally on Sundays, they even have like a food truck or a pop-up. So, uh, and if you don't care for that, there's also like a biscuit place next door and a subway around the corner and a bar burrito. So, you know, come on out, hang out. You'll get to meet me, Nathan. Uh, Yara will be there as well. There'll be some Yara segments uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year and I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun this year. Are you excited about it? I'm very excited. And I will also say, if you can't make it, it will come out as its own podcast episode, even though we'd love you ha- love to have you there. Also, we will be streaming it on our Twitch and our YouTube as well, with some very, very well-needed and well-appreciated help from our friend Joel, who is a sort of live streamer extraordinaire. He does good things like that. Yeah. He does. Um, as we get into our qualitative segment, I have a question for you, Nathan. Yes, I'm ready. Why, why score many point when few do trick? That's that's the name of this game, this show. Why why score many point when few do trick, Nathan? <laughs> I Yeah, I guess. I you're right. <laughs> why why do score many point when few do trick? That is why a good score? 
mini point when, again, if you do trick. I, hey, listen, we haven't started our news segment, so you shouldn't be pulling quotes from Kirby Smart's press conference before we actually start it. <laughs> so that's fair. We have our newsy, we have our newsy segment today. <clears throat> and I have some quotes from Kirby Smart and from some of the other players. Most of these are from Seth Emerson in his post-game recap. I'm not I'm gonna not s- steal any of Seth's actual writing. These are just quotes that were publicly available. And I think that, you know, the a lot of the frustration in this game comes down to the short yardage calls and in particular our inability to execute on the offensive line or in the running back core in short yardage situations, obvious rush situations. So I wanted to at least give before we talk about it and yell, I wanted to at least give Kirby his due and let him explain it. So I I have a few quotes here and I, I'd be happy for you to respond to any of them, Justin. Okay. So this is he's I'll talking about yeah, absolutely. He's talking about the fourth and one here, and he says, I feel like to win the game, you need to be able to run it on fourth and one, Smart said. If you don't get it, you've got to go 99 yards. Those are decisions I get to make. If It's a play that's a statement play. It's an identity play. you got to be more physical than them, and they were more physical than us. Kentucky does a good job. They know how to stop the run, and they've got good players too. So I, I think he's right. Going for it from fourth mm-hmm, and one mm-hmm. on the opponent's one-yard line is the correct decision. Uh, do you have any other responses? I don't want to, I'm trying not to yell too much in the newsy segment. (laughs) I mean, this is from what I understand on Reddit and Twitter and all of the different places where people can, you know, yell and respond and whatnot. A lot of people seem to have had a lot of issue with the going for it on fourth and one. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Georgia this season has the best red zone score percentage uh, in the nation. Mm-hmm. They've only not scored when they've gone to the red zone twice this year. That does include field goals, of course, but I think that was the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. it is what it is. I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, Stetson said the same thing. Um, who else was it? Um, Jalen Carter said the same thing. I think they also asked Xavier Tress and Amarius Mims, and everyone was like, yeah, we're all excited to do it. And it's one of those things where if the result was a score, we wouldn't be talking about it we'd be like hell yeah that was cool that was great (laughs) but now we have to talk about how question whether or not it was the right choice and i think i still think it was that's just me yeah i it was the right decision i think that analytics would tell you it's the right decision i think my problem is less with the decision to go and more with the call and the execution i think in pretty Mm -hmm. much every time that uj had a failed play or a play that was very frustrating I didn't really have a problem with the decision. I don't even have a problem with running it on fourth and one there. It was just the execution and the play call that are sort of an issue. And we can talk about that more when we get there. Now, there are, I think, some positives from having a game like this where you really have to kind of sleepwalk and scratch it out. He said he was talking about Kirby was the how some players came over and basically like calmed him down. How they how like the team has sort of this DNA of like being able to respond to adversity. And he said. We built some of those DNA muscles. That's not a thing, Kirby, but that's okay. That maybe last year's team never got to flex, <laughs> where, uh, Smart said, describing how some players come over to calm him down when he was angry about a call. They responded to some adverse situations and been in some tough situations. That's from Seth Emerson, because I read a couple of sentences of his, his own writing. Um, you know, ultimately, I think that matters, right? Getting yourself out of hard situations, as we did both in the Missouri game and this, this game. Yeah, I would point out that the flip side of that is that you also put yourself in those situations to begin with. So, you know, I don't know <laughs> to what extent that's a good thing, but <laughs> hey, at least we are, I guess, having some toughness. 
uh, Stetson Bennett was talking about after the game, and he talked about how they celebrated because they'd gone undefeated in the SEC, and one of the, I think, the third time that that's happened in the 40-year history of the modern SEC. Third time ever. Yeah, and so he said, we know that the kind of game it was after the fact, this is Stetson Bennett, but a win's a win, and it was pretty special what we did. So we celebrated, turned the music up, danced a little bit. Um, I think that's that's good. They, they deserve to do it, right? Uh, you have a note yeah. here that we went unbeaten in the SEC back-to-back seasons. Uh, it was the first time since Alabama did it in 08 and 09. And then also, I think mm-hmm. the only other time was like the Steve Spurrier era Florida teams. I think it was like 95, 96 that they did it. Um, you have something about a win against Tech here in terms of news? Oh, yeah. This is, um, yeah. So the first thing you said, yeah, uh, I think it's pretty great that this is the first time that back-to-back seasons, uh, perfect seasons in the SEC have happened since Alabama in 08 and 09. Kirby has been on two of the three teams that have done that. The third team was Florida in the 90s. Uh, And if we win against Tech, that'll be the first time in UGA history, program history, that we had back-to-back perfect seasons, regular seasons, which is also very exciting. Um, So it's pretty cool that we are, again, witnessing history in a different way than last Mm -hmm. year. But, you know, maybe we'll see some more history being made. We'll see what happens. It would be nice. I have have a feeling that... We're gonna do our we're gonna do our tech preview, but I have a feeling that despite the mixed feelings we had about this game, I think that the numbers and uh, both of us are probably gonna predict that we win this uh, the tech game pretty handily. So, you know, knock on wood. Hey, you I also like, have some. I kind of like creating some lore, though. You know how every year we kind of talk about how the tech game is like the Mad Men uh, mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. where they're like, uh, "We don't think about you." Mm-hmm. I kind of like. <laughs> I want to create some lore that we just don't do a tech episode. <laughs> <laughs> We do it. It's just but funny to me. We never use the words Georgia Tech together. We just don't yeah, say Tech. Yeah. We say that team or the team in Atlanta. Although that implies that we that think team about there. them too much. You know. Exactly. What if we just tried to intentionally just make it? Yeah. It's like a it's like a twenty minute episode. It's just like mm-hmm. we're gonna win this game. So what, what do we, we just see? <laughs> Let's talk about how we hate. We just tech. talk about All our right. teams. Yeah. Hey, what's going uh, on this weekend? Yeah. Oh, you have some other news notes about the weather. Yeah. Yeah. So I put this in the newsy section because it's the weather channel. You know, the weather channel wanted to tell me all about this game and uh, something that, you know, you don't often think about, I feel when you're watching from home and you're not there and you've never been to a game in the colder months is that um, the, the weather conditions are rough. And so this is not me making an excuse for the way certain things were called or, you know, the, the, the scheming that we, you know, we played this game or, or whatever, but, or, you know, the mistakes we made, but the weather channel was predicting, and this is actually what happened, a low of 18 going into Saturday and then a high of 37. And so when the game started on Saturday, it was 36 degrees in Kentucky and there were winds of up to 20 miles per hour. And the reason why I bring that up is because, Hey, that's freaking cold. And B, um, makes it really hard to throw a football if there's winds, 20 miles per hour coming through um, and see one thing about when it's super cold like that is it makes footballs much harder to catch because um, it makes them like literally harder uh, to <laughs> throw, true. catch, kick, etc. And so just something to think about when we're watching these games and things look different. Uh, I think that there's a lot of context to kind of share about this game that it's, you know, near the end of the season, we're trying to get through these two games so we can get healthily to the SEC championship, but also it's freaking cold. And so you play conservative for a lot of reasons. You play conservative right. for all of those weather conditions and the, the sort of environment that we're playing in, but also because we're just trying to get through 
again, the next 120 minutes of football to get to the SEC championship and prepare for the playoffs, hopefully. So yeah, just some more context. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I think it's not, it's no secret that the, the, it was not a fun day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think that we could have maybe fixed some things. I don't know. Like, we could have we could have probably fixed some things and, and done a, a little bit different stuff in play calling, a little bit different stuff Absolutely. in terms of how we executed that would have made this a, a less butthole clinchy game. Not that I was really that clinched <laughs> up ever. But, you know, we could have. But at the end of the day, so ultimately, I, I, you know, you win by 10 points. It wasn't really even that close. You know, I, I'm... I'm not upset about it. And I think that, yes, the yeah. weather has a big, a big part of that. So how was your experience? Uh, I mean, it was a pretty, it was a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I felt about it. Um, yeah, I got that's... some notes here and I kind of like, this is one of those games where I was just kind of watching and just doing mm-hmm. other stuff. You know, we, mm-hmm. we had a Thanksgiving dinner with family and everything. Um, so that was good. A pre Thanksgiving dinner, but I got to say that this is one of those games, like the the game that we just watch is why every year in the preseason, I always have to sort of put an asterisk by the Kentucky game because I always feel like they are the dark horse candidate for being like our personal season spoiler. Yeah, our hell. And yeah, they are a hell. And I I think that what we saw yesterday was probably the last Kentucky team in the foreseeable future that will be able to be our hell. But I don't want to get too far ahead of us. But with, you know, with Will Levis leaving and and several other like talented players about to either declare or uh, run out of eligibility, it mm-hmm. just I don't think we're going to see a Kentucky team for a few more years. Yeah. Um, and I think that this may have been the, the best run for a Mark Stoops Kentucky game. Uh, you know, he's getting older and he's been at Kentucky for what, like 13, 14 years at this and point. And also, what are the chances that he has another Will Levis, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so that was that. I also wanted to mention <laughs> Mark Stoops was hot, like hot piss hot, like we were talking mm-hmm. about in the last mm-hmm. uh, episode. Like, and I just want to mention that I, I know Kirby gets mad, but I feel like he picks his battles mm-hmm. and it just means more to me. Like, I like the intentionality of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mark Stoops was from beginning to end. Like, I don't know how you can concentrate and coach a game. I could. If you're just yelling from start to, you could? No, I could not. <laughs> like, no absolutely not. oh no absolutely not like just start to finish like he doesn't have his headset on most of the time getting in refs faces like and we can i can sort of talk about this for too long but uh it's just it's obnoxious and i just want to say like those people are just trying to do their jobs <laughs> yeah. making it a lot harder for them to do their jobs <laughs> mm-hmm. uh it makes me mad but there was that and also uh the mark stoops challenge on the kickoff was very funny to me uh, yeah i don't know was it for fun <laughs> was the only way he that could? he could have actually been the only thing he could have challenged was that the guy didn't i guess that maybe the guy didn't signal a fair catch and like yeah. like and also, that's i don't know I, it it's was like weird. a 10 yard difference though it yeah. was a weird thing it's like and i think that must have been what he was challenging that he didn't you know wave his hand but that you know it ended up being just fine like they they still uh i think it, the, the end result would have been the same most likely and it was only a 10 yard difference and it cost him a timeout it's like wh- why <laughs> why did you t- why did you do what did you think was going to happen that's not yeah. worth the risk uh yeah. yeah 
there's that, and um, I have a few more notes just about sort of my overall experience with the game, qualitatively speaking. Uh, I think that that Kentucky kick was probably the worst game time kick I think I've ever seen. Oh yeah, the, uh, the field goal that got missing, that missed. Yeah, it was shanked so Bad. hard. Um, and also, <laughs> one thing I'll say about that that I thought was really funny was that at the end of the game, the CBS play of the game was that kick. Like <laughs> CBS which was what, like, I don't know, which I I don't think was blocked. <laughs> It, was, it wasn't. It was not blocked. I, it was I don't just know shanked. what's going on. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious. And uh, I do love that Ringo keeps recreating li- the pick six for us from last season. Like, he's done it a few times this season for yeah. us just to kind of remind us yeah, just that he is still that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another note was that the first half was hella fast. Like, it was, there were just a few minutes left in the first half, and I looked down at my watch, and it was 4.30. Um, and that was nuts. I'm sure CBS was not upset, uh, very happy about that. But each team only had three possessions in the first half. Yeah. Just a very quick, quick game. But you, I know you watched from home as well. And I wonder if, if this is true for you as we segue into your experience. But I watched very close to the TV for most of the time. I don't know why. It just kind of happened. Just standing up near the TV. And oh, somehow yeah. made the sort of that Kirby smart, slow, run the ball aesthetic style of football a bit more palatable. I, you know, I just saw a bit more going on. But when you watch it from far away... Mm-hmm. It's pretty boring. When you watch it really up close with like your nose touching the screen, it's not so bad. You see a lot of stuff. What about you? How'd it go? I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, it's good. It, it was it's real good. It was good, I guess. It just <laughs> cracks me up. Uh, I'm still, I'm still like. The idea that you were just like inches from the thing being like, oh my God, how does this, look at that, look at that pin and pull, look at that block, like that you were just so like. I was studying. Deep in the paint. I was dialed in. That's absolutely insane. Anyway, uh, let's see. I mean, I think I kind of had a similar experience to you. I also noticed that Mark Stoops was hot and I will admit I might've like slightly triggered my wife because I tweeted something about how Mark Stoops was angry. Like he'd just been fired from a rubber factory, like an Ohio dad. And my wife's dad was a guy who worked at a rubber factory. He once got fired and was very angry, so I felt bad about it. Uh, so, that you is know, a I had strange on strange coincidence. I had on my special boys pants for the from the jump, and they weren't working. And I realized I didn't have my socks on, so I put my socks on, my special boys socks. And then that still wasn't working, so I got up to start cleaning the kitchen. And as I was cleaning the kitchen, that's when we when we scored the first touchdown, um, only touchdown, womp womp, mm-hmm. and. Then I was and like, well, I guess, yes. And and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to stay standing up the rest of the time. So I just sort of stood up in the kitchen and cleaned and organized for about two hours, which is fine. Let's see. It's I cleanest kitchen in Athens right now. Yeah, for real. This is unrelated to the to the game. But uh, yesterday we went to Target right before the game. And like I got home to the game before the game started, but after the broadcast had started which was like oh no i miss gary danielson talking uh and when we were at target we we had to get some stuff we weren't there just like to shop or whatever but we happened to see target has like imported marks and spencer's brand like treats for christmas which is like m&s and it just get makes me incredibly incredibly nostalgic because that's like a very i don't know it's like a common uh, store chain in England, and it was one of the places that we would always go to in Oxford when we, my wife and I were in Oxford. So we got some really good shortbread and this really nice little like 
commemorative tin. It just made me happy. I don't, I don't, this doesn't really relate to anything in the podcast, but I was just, <laughs> you just want to share I it. was just happy. It just took me back. We would go to H Mart and M&S like constantly. Uh, and M&S is like, uh, it's not really like Sam's club. It's not like that big or whatever. At least the one in Oxford isn't, but it does have like a lot of stuff, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a like a slightly classier, like a bougie Walmart. You know what I mean? Or a bougie Target. Ooh. You know, where okay, but it's Walmart. like a it's like a bougie Target that has like a more full like grocery section. I guess I would say ish. At least the one we went to was. So that was really cool. It made me super nostalgic. Uh, let's see. I made a really good grilled cheese, like fancy grilled cheese slash uh, <laughs> tomato soup combo last night. This is a night. football podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to something. Let's see. I'm not bragging or complaining about this. I just like forgot to drink yesterday. Okay. Anyway, that's I. I don't know. I, I guess it's like one of the old man things where I, I don't associate. I I don't associate alcohol with college football game days in the way that I think a lot of people do. But I will say. When I realized I'd forgotten to drink and that it was cold outside, I also realized that it's almost time for like the steam uh, steam brewery have Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, which I really yeah. like, and Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale, which I also really like. I love winter beers, so I'm really excited about some of those like winter ales and lagers. And I'll do a winter warmer occasionally. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about the game. I mean, it was kind of a like vintage i think overall it felt like a vintage like 2016 kirby game where i was just like well we're oh, yeah. gonna win but this does suck it's boring yeah like, it was very you know, very very boring. kirby loves these games this is the kind of game where he's like oh you're gonna let me you're gonna let oh, me do yeah. the thing i enjoyed yeah doing. <laughs> exactly exactly you're gonna let me do this oh okay and it, was, and, it and then he gets his I, fill and it's just like i mean that's fine you know, that's cool, but I don't know, man. It's just, it's just <laughs> pain. It's like, why are we doing this, yeah. dude? What's the, I don't know. I mean, look, ultimately, I get it. At some point, you have to, at some point, you want to reduce the chance of losing maximally. And arguably, mm-hmm. the way we played yesterday was like the the maximal, you know, the 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 lowest possible chance of losing because we didn't take a lot of risks yeah and we got the lead and we just kind of sat on it and we'll, we'll see some stats they were really never that close to winning but nope it just wasn't fun <laughs> I mean and I get <laughs> I get that Kirby's job is not for it to be fun I totally yeah, totally to get it. it his job is to win uh but I was just like what are we doing here. Yeah, we do have some storylines from the game that we talked about in the pre-show, the preview show. Uh, First question was, is Will Levis draftable? LOL. You said, I I mean, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he had I would say he looked better than he has. Yeah, Yeah, he had a a decent game. You know, he was 20 for 31 for 206 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one sack. He only had a 48.7 QBR, 1.03 Detmer. So he was really chucking the ball up there. 6.44 yards per play, Mm -hmm. but a negative 0.02 EPA per play. Negative 0.74 EPA overall, 34% success rate, negative 6% win percentage added. So, like, it was funny because, like, aesthetically, had he had some really good throws, uh, in, in particular to Barry and Brown. But, you mm-hmm. know, it was just not a good day statistics-wise. So, I don't know. He still mm-hmm. looks like an NFL quarterback, and he's tall and white. So, we got to assume that he'll get drafted. He'll get a chance, probably. <laughs> uh, 
is Kentucky's O-line broken? Don't think so. They only gave up one sack. Yeah. Pretty not too bad. Yeah, I mean, they played better than they have all year. Yeah. I mean, they, they, we moved their front around for most of the night, but they definitely mm-hmm. killed – they. But a combination of game planning and quick release and just, like, playing above their heads a little bit, they they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Play, playing with pretty pride. well. It was fun to – yeah. They did. And then, finally, Will Levis was pissed after last week's game. <laughs> he did show up to play, right? Yeah, he did. I mean, he showed up. I mean, he had kind of a indifferent game, but he clearly, clearly, he was like, "I'm going to put the team on my back," and then that didn't work. Yeah, you can't. It's okay. It is what it is. But let's move into the quantitative st- uh, segment. We have lots of numbers. They're not as exciting as they could be. Yeah. Show us some unique stats. Yeah. Actually, so, this is my. These are my notes. Yeah. <laughs> you have some unique stats, and I, and I, I want you to talk about these because there's a couple of things that I think are interesting here. Some unique snacks is what it sounded like you said. And I wish I did have some unique snacks right now. But uh, before this game, pretty wild. Georgia only had two trips to the red zone this year that did not end up in points. Kentucky gave us another one of those this game. And so now we have three trips that have not resulted in points this year. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, it is what it is. Kentucky also had a 99 scoring drive, 99 yard scoring drive. Um, I believe I saw the ticker mention that it was their first one since like 2000 like five or six yeah uh and they still didn't score a touchdown but still a scoring drive that was 99 yards long uh just you know i think it's interesting to think about how rarely that happens one but also two that we you know made them have to go 99 yards which also doesn't happen uh often Mm -hmm. as well and then two things that i just saw like very sicko committee um stared at kentucky had 30 yards of offense in the second quarter and they had five yards of offense in the third quarter and I that's, just put, woof. Yeah, that's that's rough, dude. It was interesting because that's really it, rough. it was really easy to feel like, to me at least, it was really easy to feel like, man, we are getting torched by Will mm-hmm. Levis. But because there were some times where there were just guys running three. But like, if you look at the stats, what they tell you is that like on average, down to down, not great. No, sure wasn't. So, so, yeah, you have a I note mean, here before we start bitching. What do you want to say? <laughs> yeah, it's important to know. And I'm not even going to bitch. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, ultimately, we won the game. We were never really close to losing the game, right? Per ESPN, mm-hmm. our win percentage, like probability or win probability, was never under 84%. And that was when Kentucky almost scored, but then threw the pick. That was the lowest it got. Mm-hmm. So, everyone on the field. I feel like knew that we were going to win. I think you could just uh, as soon when we turned the ball over and they scored. Yes, that was disturbing. But then when they got the ball mm-hmm. back, they're just not, they did not look great. Right. And another thing that yeah. unfortunately everyone on the field knew, and I think this was part of the problem was that, and this is the opposing coaches as well, was that UJ can't block the zone read or like zone concepts, like power or what well, power's mm-hmm. not a zone concept, but basically any zone concept running wise in short yardage. And we kept running it. And I think that was like the root of our a lot of our problems. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know there was a fourth and one when we were on our side of the field and we turned the ball over or we were like around the 50. And that one was not as a, I think that was power. Or no, it was a, it was a QB sneak. So that was just like block the guy in front of you gap kind of stuff. But then we didn't, you know, execute that as well. So yes, it is worth bitching about that. But ultimately, we had an 84% win percentage at the lowest, right? So that's it's important to understand that. And I think contextually in the game, 
we were never really that close to losing, even though it felt horrible. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is the run game actually looked good in normal play, but in short yardage and in the face of run blitzes or overloaded lines or early penetration, they didn't look good. And clearly we were playing on the shallow end of the pool in terms of our playbook, but still that's frustrating, right? And it was a really weird night. Yeah. 40, 42% of our runs were stopped runs, which were runs less than or equal to two yards. But 53% of our yeah. runs were opportunity runs of runs of greater than or equal to four yards. It was literally feast or famine, right? For 95% Mm -hmm. of the times that we ran the ball today, we either got nothing, or yesterday, we either got nothing or we got at least four yards. It was either a very productive run that moved the ball forward and advanced our game plan, or we got nothing out of it. And that, I think, was kind of the root of the problem. Ultimately, though, 52% success rate on the day is really good, right? It looked like, you know... Kenny McIntosh kind of was like, "Hey, y'all done forgot about Dre, so I'm going to teach you." He had, he had a, he had a very, he had a very good day. I, I thought he looked probably his best day running that I've seen him in a Georgia uniform. He just looked as like a, a natural runner, very good. He had 19 carries, 143 yards, and the only touchdown on the day. Um, I thought that in terms of offensive stuff, I, I really do wonder why the tight ends didn't get more targets because I don't know, man. I had a and I'm sure this isn't what happened because I know all this stuff is game plan and preset, but I did feel like there was a play in the first quarter where Stetson overthrew Darnell Washington, which is impossible to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was really the turning point when we really like, we were like, Nope, if you can overthrow Darnell Washington, like we're just going to run the same four plays or whatever. And, and Mm -hmm. after that, it felt like we really like, I don't know, packed it in so far as I could tell. Uh, Barry and Brown defensively lit our asses up. 10 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. It looked like they really wanted to get him isolated on a safety back or a nickel. He had a big one, I believe, over Bullard, even though Bullard, I think, had a pretty good day. And then he had he had one in front of uh, – he had one over Chris Smith, and then he had one in front of, I believe, Malachi Starks. But mm-hmm. ultimately, he was their main offensive attack. I mean – on the day, they only had 363 yards, of which, or no, sorry, 295 yards, of which 145 of those were Barry and Brown. So, like, 45% of their yards came from one guy. And other than Jeez. that, they didn't really have a lot going on in the past game. I, I would say, you know, in terms of Ringo, at this point in his career, we know how it is. Like, he's a really good player. And every game, he's going to have a, oh, my God, Keely, what are you doing play? But then every yeah, game he's yeah. also going to have, oh, my God, Keeley, what are you doing? Right? When he intercepts the ball, takes it back <laughs> 50 yards, right? Like, so that's just yeah. part of the charm. That's part of who he is as a player. Honestly, like, he's in a, he's a really good player. We're going to miss him when he's gone. I think the biggest problem with him is that he has every part of the ideal cornerback except for his ball skills when the ball is in the air are just not very good. You know, I, I think he, you know, he... He sees the ball. He can high point it if he has time to get under it. But making a play in the air on top of a guy, he's not very good at it, right? You'll see him just, like, Mm. put his hand up to swat the ball down and whiff sometimes. And it's like, come on, guys. Um, (laughs) Having said that, you know, we held Kentucky to negative .12 EPA per play on the day, 34% success rate, 9% success rate in the red zone. This defense is elite. When you hold your opponent and you held an opponent with an NFL starting quarterback, maybe – uh, when you hold them to six points, you have an elite defense. This is the best defense in the country. Yeah. Maybe it's not as good as, 
last year's defense, but ultimately, like, th- there's not a defense that's really close, I don't think. Uh, ESPN gave mm-hmm. us just one sack and one quarterback hurry, but we had five tackles for loss. That kind of explained the day. They were just getting stuff out really quick, and they were max protecting when they didn't get stuff out quick, and Barry and Brown had a good day, right? Uh, Kentucky had zero successful plays in the middle eight. That was part of the five yards in the third in the third quarter. We just sort of, in the time that mattered, we really shut them down. Uh, they had a nine percent explosive mm-hmm. success rate on our explosive rate in terms of explosive plays on the day. Kentucky did, which is a fifty six percent percentile nationally over the past two years. But you know, I think it's worth noting that a bad day in in explosive rate for your defense is just slightly above average nationally, right? Like, yeah, we had a quote unquote bad day. Most teams, if they hold Kentucky to six points, will they'll take that to the bank. Right. And so all of our problems are really champagne problems. And I know we've said that a lot, but I think it's just worth saying again, our problems are champagne problems. Right. I'm not. Yeah. Idiot. I'm not being Pollyannish about this. Kirby decided clearly that he was going to have one of his Kirby days. Right. You know, and <laughs> and I get it. And, and and there's even a logic to it of saying, like, listen, we built this team around the offensive line. When we are in the open field, we are we are chewing their asses up and running on them as much as we want to. Right. And ultimately, all of our frustrations come down to two or three different plays. You convert any of those fourth and ones, you convert any of those short yardage plays to touchdowns or to first downs. This game's like 24 to six, and nobody's talking about it. It's just like, oh, another game, whatever. It was low scoring because it was cold. So I get it. Right. I just think that if we had been a touch less conservative play calling wise, that we could have made this a lot less of a worry. But ultimately, that doesn't matter. I think the calculation that Kirby is making is like, look, we're going to just run vanilla here because we think we can beat these guys because there's no reason to put anything else mm-hmm. on tape for LSU. I get it. Nope. I, I don't know if there's anything. Brian Kelly's a good coach. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think there's anything we can really take away from this game in terms of like where this team is ultimately, right? I think the only thing we can take away is stuff we already knew, right? The O-line doesn't block zone plays very well. We sometimes have problems in, in short yardage. And we don't always respond. I think, I think actually our biggest problem is like, we don't check out of short yardage plays. And when we see like run blitzes, when we see, you know, like there were, there were a couple of times we were running like eight blockers into nine guys at the line of scrimmage. Right. And when you see that, Mm -hmm. you got to have a tag. That's like a pop pass or something like a quick slant or trying to leak out a tight end or something. And I get, we almost certainly have those tags. We chose not to use them. And so I guess, that's fine. You're not putting stuff on tape, but like ultimately, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. It, it kind of comes down to something we talked a lot, a lot about a few years ago in the early er- Kirby smart era where it's like Kirby smart really only owes us winning games. He doesn't owe us enjoying the process. And that no. hasn't been a problem in the last two years, but I guess so occasionally you're just going to have to take that. And that's fine. Th- that's just yeah. how it's going to be it to him. in terms of our predictions. We were both bad. I was closer by like three points, but we were both very wrong. I don't even want to yeah. count this as a win for myself yeah. uh, because, you know, yeah. we were both very wrong about this game. And and I think we were wrong and kind of honestly in kind of a predictable way. I think if we had thought about like, okay, we're going to Kentucky and it's going to be cold and windy, we should have both like just jammed the under. But yeah, hey. it just felt wrong saying UJ would score less than 30 points when they've been doing, doing pretty well so to do better than that all yeah. year. I mean, and honestly, yeah. I think so, I don't know. if Georgia Tech weren't senior day, I would probably predict that to happen again. I'm imagining that we're going to try to really run ring these guys up just because we want to get a seniors who don't play a lot of time. But 
you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk about stuff that's maybe a little bit more upbeat, Man. which is stuff happening around the league. You know, First Georgia of all, Tech's coming know, hot off that North Carolina win last week, too. Hot you better off look that out. Northern <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Georgia Tech coming in, looking for bowl eligibility. Y'all, it's not going to be close. Hell yeah. Other, other, <laughs> other things happening around the league. Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Oh, boy. I love Willie Martinez on Rocky Top. Please never fire him. For those of you who are young, Willie Martinez used to be Coach Rick's de- defensive line or defensive coordinator and he was really <laughs> bad yeah it was just it felt that was a wild game it's tennessee has just totally forgotten they don't care about defense that half of the game doesn't matter at all the you know at the very top when we said why score few point when few do trick they've never heard those words before <laughs> uh and so yeah if you're looking at the game on paper for this game, uh, it's disgusting. They made Spencer Rattler look like the second coming of Jesus. And South Carolina, from top to bottom, they had a 90th percentile of their EPA per play, uh, 97th percentile success rate, 88th percentile yards per play, 90th percentile EPA per drop back. Like, it goes on and on. They had the best game they've had in years uh, playing against the fifth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers, who just did not get it together and i will say it was bad before the hinden hooker uh injury it was on its way out already and i this is not a show or a podcast where we talk about people getting hurt and that we wanted to get them hurt because we don't i mm-hmm. hope the hinden hooker is okay mm-hmm. and i hope that he has a great uh career ahead of him and this game was already bad before he got hurt so yes. um, go on spencer rattler with your six touchdowns mm-hmm. my god just, yeah. I mean, look, USC had scored 18 touchdowns against Power 5 opponents this year. This is from Bud Elliott. Mm-hmm. God bless you, Bud Elliott. They scored nine last night. <laughs> that's, I, don't, I don't have anything else to say. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It, it, it was, I, it's, like, it's like my wedding, like the first time I kissed my wife, and then this game. It was so good. Maybe the national title. It was so fun. It was so good. They just kept going. I also had a moment yesterday where I said out loud while watching this game, it looks like it'd be fun to be a South Carolina fan with all their towels and uh, Darude de- uh, camaraderie. It looks like a lot of fun over there. They ran out of fireworks, too. That was a thing. Yeah. Someone on our Discord just mentioned. They ran yeah. out of fireworks that they shoot off so at good. the end of the, so the touchdowns. Like, they never thought they would have that many. Oh. <laughs> God, I, I've like, never... Somebody go down to the border, the South Carolina-Georgia border, and buy us some fireworks. We're out of them. I've never been happier about this, about about any of it. <laughs> I've never been happier about <laughs> another game. And it was just something we were talking about yesterday is that, like, South Carolina is always the team that make, ruins our season. And it's like, what mm-hmm. w- if you want any more evidence that we are in the highlight of... We are in that. We we are living the high life. We are we are in the highest the high water mark of Georgia football. It's that South Carolina isn't even ruining our season. They're ruining our opponent season. Mm-mm. Oh, it's so good. Yes, and I, I will say because of you know Hinden Hooker getting hurt and Tennessee losing to South Carolina, this makes me very excited for the Vanderbilt game next week because mm-hmm. <laughs> Tennessee is going to go see their friends Vanderbilt over in Nashville, which should be a lot of fun. You know, Vanderbilt should probably lose, most likely. That is going to happen. However, I feel like there's going to be a lot of Tennessee players who are just kind of like, man, just kicking rocks, 
you know, kicking their feet in the sand, they're upset, Charlie Brown music is playing. And there is a good chance that Vandy, like, I want to live in a world in which Vanderbilt becomes ball eligible by beating this Tennessee team. The Tennessee team that's, that people said was the same as the 2019 LSU team. Yes. You know, the once in a generational lifetime team. <laughs> yep. Not, no, absolutely not. Uh, I will also mention, worth mentioning, that the last time Vanderbilt was 5'6 and knocking on the door of bowl eligibility, they were headed into Tennessee in 2016 to play them and did, in fact, win. So, yeah, let's I, see it happen. It it was just, it was amazing. It was so good. Um, other things happening around the nation today. USC beats in an epic shootout UCLA at UCLA in a half-empty stadium. What the hell's going on UCLA? Anyway. And that sets up a really interesting situation because that Tennessee's loss really gives USC a path to the CFP. Mm-hmm. I think it would be great if we had two new entrants this year, and that's very possible. If USC wins out and TCU wins out, that is totally possible that those are the third and fourth team. Uh, I think oh, yeah. USC would be a very interesting team to play. Their offense is very, very good, and their defense is very, very bad. I would think that we would be favored over them, but I just think it would be cool. It would be cool to be at a playoff game wherein we got to play against the USC band, right? They're a good band. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU is just that team this year. That They are the – how do they yeah. keep getting away with oh, the team? Oh, man. I will say, lots of jokes about TCU winning cl- uh, close games and, and, you know, and TCU deserves to be where they are even if they're probably not the fourth best team in the nation. But I will say, they ran out with like 15 seconds l- remaining to kick a field goal that was to win the insane. game. And that was an incredibly well-coached moment. They probably hadn't they probably haven't done yes. anything with that since camp. I mean, maybe they've done it a few times at practices, but they got there were no substitution problems. They got everybody exactly where they wanted to do. And the holder had the wherewithal to actually go through. You can see he like goes through his rhythm. He gets everybody set. He waits. He does the hand camp. There's no rush. Like it was like a perfect operation of that like last minute field goal. Mm-hmm. And you got to give TCU credit. They had the opportunity to win the game. Are they the fourth best team? It doesn't matter because in the moment when they had the opportunity to move their for- season forward, they did it. And hey, good on them. Go mm-hmm. go frogs. F R A W G. Let me tell you something that's really funny. That. Uh, the kicker afterwards in a press conference was asked, you know, do they ever practice that? And he's like, oh, yeah, we do that on Thursdays. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> no yeah. He was like, yeah, we do that on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Ev- so that's the drill. We re- we just ran it on Thursday. We just never done it in game time decision. Yeah, and, cl- uh, I mean, and clearly. You're right. Like, my, it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, and, and like the whole thing, if you watch the video, it's just like, it is textbook for, like, they, I think they go out there with 15 seconds, 15 seconds remaining, and the O-linemen stay where mm-hmm. they are. Everybody gets set. And, like, all 10 guys other than the kicker are on the field and set before the kicker gets out there. And, like, credit to the holder, The dude, kicker doesn't he, even stop running. Like, he doesn't even stop his stride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, credit to the holder, too, because, like, the holder was watching the play clock go down, took a second, got his head stab, his head up, went through his whole process, and, like, it was a clean, clean field goal. I mean, it was – it would have been good from five extra yards. So, good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm just – It was perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm – I was just really impressed. I, I think we'll still beat the hell out of them if we play them, but whatever. I, I think Ohio State's final score was misleading. Talia Ta- Taglavo, I have, have it's been a long time since I've had to practice this name. Talia Taglaviola. Mm-hmm. Viol- Fuck. Okay. Nope. Anyway, Tua's brother. Try it again. <laughs> totally. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Tua's brother totally ripped up Ohio State for a lot of time. Ohio State, I think, ultimately wins by he 13. Did. 
And, you know, I think this defense has holes. I think this offense is really good. I think this would be a close game if we played them on a field. I think they are clearly the second best team in the nation. But this this defense has some problems. Uh, but it's going to be interesting because I would say that the game next week, which is unfortunately during our game, the Ohio State-Michigan game, the game, is I would say it would be closer, but it seems like Blake Corum, Michigan's all everything running back is going to be injured and maybe hobbled for that game, which really, I mean, without mm-hmm. him, Michigan's on a wing and a prayer, man. They, they just, I, yeah, they, they're, if Blake Corum doesn't play, they're going to get just blown up, you know, it's not going to be great. And I have another, and I hate to, I hate to end the, I hate to end the podcast on a downer note, but I just have something I want everyone. <laughs> I want everyone to know where their energy should be going. All of you need to yeah, root send for, your spirit bomb energy. Yes. All of you need to root for TCU and USC because with Tennessee's loss, if TCU and USC lose and we beat the crap out of LSU, people are going to start talking about putting Bama in the playoff. I'm not saying they're Mm going to do it, but they are going to start talking about it. Please, everyone, give TCU and USC their power. This hand them their power we we need to say in style like power them up like goku because i really don't want uh, admittedly an alabama team i think I, that we would beat pretty handily but i really don't want alabama to like back ass their way into this like wild card weekend style and then like win an, an opening round game i really don't want that they don't deserve it they don't deserve it in terms of competitively and they really don't deserve it in terms of karma so please god please help help all right you want to get us out of here you want me to (laughs) get us out of here nathan this has been chapel bell curve you can find us on itunes google play spotify and pretty much anywhere that you can subscribe to a podcast again you can get in touch with us with fit on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok by searching for chapel bell curve we've pretty much camped out all of those we also have a mastodon if you want to go look for that invite i'm not on there but yara's doing I don't, I don't but we have it in case Twitter dies. Anyway, if you'd like to support us, there's two things you can do. The free version of that is leaving us a rating and a review on either Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you find podcasts are distributed. The money way you can do this is by going to patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. We would love if you supported us, and we think that your very small amount of monetary support gives you access to some really actually... I don't want to say life-changing, but important benefits that we have people who have made very close friendships on this Discord. I have people I consider to be my very close friends that I met because of this Discord. We think it's the best part of this podcast. So we would love if you check that out. We will catch you this weekend in the Classic City. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, for the world's greatest insecticide game or whatever, I don't know. You know, we're supposed to support bees, but I would point out that Yellow Jackets are not bees. You know what I mean? And I don't want to use insecticides, so I guess we're just going to have to take a tennis racket and just get to work. Or maybe a flamethrower. That's not those aren't insecticides. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll catch you this weekend in the Classic City for what is surely going to be unbearably cold for my tiny little body. Mm-hmm. But until then, go dogs. <laughs> go dogs. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs>